Welcome everybody to Understanding the Power of Money, what everyone needs to know about money but are too afraid to ask. Money's powerful, and we all ask ourselves the same big questions. How much is enough? Can I afford that? How do I make my money grow? And of course, when can I buy my beach house? Those are the questions everyone thinks about, and this podcast will help you find the answers. My name is Amit Chopra, and welcome to Understanding the Power of Money. Like most parents, during this pandemic, finding ways to keep my kids occupied while I'm working has been a constant battle. It's cute the first few times when you hear a tiny six-year-old voice asking for a snack, but it gets old when you're on a call and it happens every 10 minutes. My wife and I have a closet loaded with crafts and puzzles, and it's served us well for most of 2020. Alas, our efforts fall short at times, and we resort to what all parents resort to, screens. Now, I'm cheap, so my kids don't have iPads, not even old ones. They have Kindle Fires. They came with a two-year warranty, which I've used for both of them. My son has developed a habit of pushing the power button and just expecting it to turn on and work automatically. He forgets to charge it or complains that Roblox is taking too long to load because of our Wi-Fi. I was about fed up with it, and my laptop happened to die at the same time. So I decided that I was going to build a computer with him so he would understand how things work, and that pushing a button doesn't just make things go on. So I've never built a computer before, and I know nothing about it. But him and I sat down each night, and I explained to him the research that I had done that day. So we talked about power supplies and how we needed a certain amount of wattage capacity depending on the other components that we used. We researched motherboards and we looked at the Intel CPU chips versus the AMD CPU chips. We looked at video cards so the graphics of Roblox would be crisp. We talked about different manufacturers and watched YouTube videos and read reviews. We finalized our components, made the purchase, and as soon as the boxes were on my porch, we built it together. It was a ton of fun. But the one part of it that has been immensely frustrating is finding a video card. Across the world, there is a semiconductor shortage caused by COVID, caused by tariffs, and frankly, caused by Bitcoin miners purchasing up new inventory using internet bots faster than a normal consumer can hit the buy now button. I tell this story because a popular PC magazine published an article this week discussing how the GPU market isn't going to get any better for a long time and will actually get worse as many Americans will use their stimulus checks on things like new computers or new electronics in general all of which use graphics cards or GPUs. So that is going to put even more pressure on the market. So I was complaining about this to a friend of mine when he said he wouldn't mind the American Rescue Plan uh, if it wasn't all being sent overseas. I didn't understand what he was talking about. I, I thought he might be talking about a different bill. I realized in that moment that most Americans have no idea what is actually in the bill and we've been force-fed this terrible narrative by the media on all sides. So let's take a look at the American Rescue Plan and see what's really in it. 
So before I get to direct payments to consumers, because we all know there are direct payments, or I say consumers, to direct payments to, to the people. We all know there are direct payments to the people. I'll get to that in a second. Let's start about let's talk about state and local aid first, because this is something that got brought up to me the other day, right? Because the assumption based on what the media is feeding us is that by giving the state and local governments money, we're bailing out blue states, right? That's what's happening. We've, we've all heard it, bailing out blue states. So first and foremost, we're allocating $25.5 billion, which is divided equally amongst the 50 states. So all states are getting $50 million, or are getting $500 million, excuse me, right? All states, including the District of Columbia, $500 million. Doesn't matter, red or blue. It also provides $350 billion to help states, counties, cities, tribal governments cover the increased expenditure and lost revenue that came from COVID-19. Now, let me be really clear about this. The use of the funds have a very specific scope. So very specifically, state and local governments cannot use the funds towards pensions or to offset revenue resulting from a tax cut that was enacted since March 3rd of 2021. Basically, you can't cut taxes for your people and then say that we're going to use this money to offset that revenue. Um, and you can't use it to cover pensions. Everything that people say that a blue state is going to do with this money, they're not. And they put in provisions to make sure that doesn't happen, which is a good thing. But most people don't hear that because we're getting fed this narrative by the media that we're bailing someone out. States effectively are pretty bankrupt at the moment. Uh, they're not actually bankrupt, but they've all taken a pretty big hit from COVID, uh, allocating money for states, for helping states and local municip municipalities makes sense. Uh, I live in a town with 15,000 people in it. I know that they can use that money and there is a specific piece of the of the COVID bill that's going to states that is meant for smaller municipalities. So for all of you who live in a small town, think about it. Your your town has the ability to tap federal funds that it otherwise would not be able to tap. All right. So now let's talk about direct payments to citizens. As we are all aware, $1,400 for individuals, $2,800 for joint filers. Dependents would include full-time students younger than 24 and adult dependents. So what you didn't get in the last stimulus or what your children didn't get in the last stimulus, you're going to get now. Uh, the payments phase out a little earlier. So they phase out on individuals with an adjusted gross income of $75,000. Um, and it goes to zero for AGIs of $80,000 and higher. Uh, and for uh, that's an individual for couples, it starts phasing out at 150,000 and goes to absolutely zero at 160,000. So the phase outs became uh, a little bit more aggressive than in the first stimulus package with the hopes of really targeting people who need it. Um, we can argue either way if you agree with that or not, but it does mean that if you make $200,000, you're not getting any stimulus. Uh, it is trying to target families that do fall within a specific income range. Payments are based on the 2019 and 2020 tax returns. Very straightforward. 
there is money allocated for other things. Now, we'll we'll piggyback a little bit on the direct payments to citizens, and we'll talk about taxes for a second. One of the major things that you're hearing about is that the child tax credit has been increased. So it increases the child tax credit maximum amount to $3,000 per child and $3,600 uh, for children under the age of six. It would also extend the credit to 17-year-olds. Previously, the credit uh, stopped at 16-year-olds. The, incre the increase in the maximum amount would begin to phase out at $150,000 of income for married couples and $75,000 uh, for individuals. So again, it is trying to be targeted in what it's helping. Now, one of the greatest parts of this entire bill is small, bi small business provisions, I never really loved the PPP program. I didn't feel like it was very targeted. Uh, you saw that because you saw places like Shake Shack able to get able to get uh, a loan. Now they gave the money back, but nonetheless, that that shouldn't be the case. They only provide seven point two five billion out of this money. Now remember, we're talking about a one point nine trillion dollar bill. So we talk about seven billion dollars, and that's like you know pocket change for this bill. It seems a little crazy, but we're talking about such big numbers, but it is the way it is in the in the world now. So it provides only seven and a quarter billion dollars for the Paycheck Protection Program. Now, it does this because it there's about half of the 284 billion that's in the current funding that's still available. So it, it just kind of bumps it up a little bit um, and adds to the PPP. It gives targeted money to restaurants and uh, bars. And basically, uh, if you provide food or beverages, it, it gives targeted stimulus to you, which is fantastic. Uh, because what's happened is, just like most things in this world, there becomes haves and have-nots. So this bill is targeting $28.6 billion specifically for restaurants, bars, and, all, and other eligible providers of food and drink. So it's going to allow for grants um, uh, that are equal to the pandemic-related revenue loss of the of the entity. So if um, if you lost money, you may be able to get a grant up to that loss for for last year. It's up to ten million dollars per entity or five million per physical location. So the grants are are calculated by subtracting your twenty twenty revenue from your twenty nineteen revenue. Really straightforward, and it's limited to entities uh, are of. Uh, with less than 20 locations. So McDonald's can't apply for this, which is, again, a good thing. With restaurants specifically, you know, what you found was lots of communities, mine included, I bet you yours included, tried to eat out more, tried to get takeout more. Uh, so listen, I'm a financial planner. I, my job is to budget. I have a very strict budget in my own household. In 2020, we almost doubled the amount of money we spent on takeout than we did in 2019. And it was easy because it was easy to say, look, let's support our local businesses. The problem is that really helped our local pizza place and Chinese place, Thai place, Italian places. What it didn't really help were the higher end restaurants that really do count on you coming and eating in the location because there's an experience to be had. It's for special occasions, anniversaries and birthdays. So they've been hurt because they don't really have a robust takeout business and it was hard to pivot for them. This bill will specifically help them and target them. There is more to the bill. There's more that helps veterans, for example. So it's providing $14.4 billion uh, for the VA to provide healthcare services and related support to veterans, uh, which includes funding for sustainable, uh, um, for sustain of what, what was in the CARES Act. 
So part of this bill wasn't just to give new money, but it was to sustain what was already in place for the CARES Act uh, that was going to expire. Remember, the CARES Act was put in by a Demo, well, excuse me, by a Republican government. We now have a Democratic government. I say this not to choose sides, but for people to realize that all government spends money. It's not a great thing, especially when you spend money that you're you're technically borrowing to spend, right? And I'm not really for unchecked government spending. If we're going to spend money, the government should be giving it directly to its people. This bill does an okay job of targeting that. It is better than bailing out United Airlines. Now, this bill does do that. This bill gives money to airlines, which in my opinion is never great. Um, I know that there are ramifications with unemployment if a company like United were to go under, but instead of giving United billions of dollars, I would rather you give it to the American people or hopefully not have to spend it at all. But it is not like we chose a global pandemic. And this is the problem with media rhetoric when it comes to bills like this with COVID is that it tries to pit blue versus red, Democrat versus Republican, when that's not really what's happening. Um, I heard somebody argue that they shouldn't call it stimulus payments. They should call it survival payments. Now, that might not be the case for many of us. Some people, uh, some, of, some of my own clients are going to receive this stimulus payment and they don't need it. But because they're retired and they're on a fixed income, and in some cases they're living off taking their own money out of their own savings, they have the income where they qualify and they'll receive it. Unfortunately, when you're trying to provide survival payments to a large swath of the population, Segregating by income is the best way to do it, and some people fall through those cracks. It, it's unfortunate, but it is part of this bill. What we have to recognize is that anytime there is spending without there being dollars to pay for it, it is an indirect way of telling the people that you are going to raise taxes. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but it is something that's coming right? They're going to raise taxes because they're spending money that they don't have. Now, at some point that's going to happen when nobody knows. And we've been getting told that my entire lifetime, uh, just like I've been getting told that there's going to be inflation my entire life, but there hasn't been. Now, if you were born just 10 years before me, you remember your parents lining up whether they're based on if their if their license plate ended in an odd number or an even number to get gas, you remember high interest rates. So we're all shaped by our own experiences when it comes to money. With that, we always have to be aware that there could be inflation. We always have to be aware that taxes could go up. But frankly, we're at a really low tax point in history. It makes things like the backdoor Roth IRA conversion worth it to do because, frankly, taxes are going to go up. That is the likelihood of where it's going to go because we've been low for so long. Now, do I agree with everything in the bill? No, right? It's And, and do I... I love that we name bills like the American Rescue Plan or the CARES Act because, right, it elicits a bit of an emotional response. 
But it was a necessary bill, I think. It was necessary to give some level of stimulus uh, to the people. And you're going to see that trickle into the economy now. I'm going to see that in the GPU market. I tried to explain to my son this, and he was not understanding it. I don't think he cares that there's a semiconductor shortage. I think he just wants to play Roblox at this point. Uh, So I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but it's going to trickle into the economy. You're going to see people who are going to buy more new goods. And that's not a bad thing. You're going to see people save money as well. Last year, the inflows into equity markets was astronomical. It far outpaced the inflows from 2009, far outpaced it. And a lot of that was the government gave money to people and people saved it. And they put it into their Robinhood account or into their Fidelity account or whatever it is, and they saved it and they put it into the stock market. You're going to see more of that with this this upcoming stimulus. You're going to see more people spending money, which in a consumer economy isn't a bad thing. What I stress in this podcast and what I stress all the time is to not let it get you emotional one way or the other. We spend money. As a country, we spend money, and we spend money that we don't have. This has been a, a the case for decades, and I'm not sure if it's going to stop. At some point, you have to pay the piper, but I remember someone saying to me once, and I can't remember who told me. He said, you know, if I owe you $100, you kind of own me a little bit, but if I, if I owe you a million dollars, I kind of own you. And that makes a lot of sense when it comes, not when it comes to an individual basis, but on a government basis. That makes a lot of sense, right? We owe quite a bit of money. The question is, are they ever going to come calling for that money? Are they ever going to come calling for all of it at once? I highly doubt it. Keep in mind, part of this bill does give money for education, which was huge. Now, maybe I'm biased about this because I have a seven and six-year-old at home, and I have one, my son, AJ, who is struggling. He wants to be in school. He's also a boy. He wants to be with his friends and jump and run, and he wants guidance from a teacher, not from his mother or father. Uh, So he's in second grade, and then I have my kindergartner, Priya, who is doing second grade work because she's just following along with what her brother is doing. So she is utterly bored being home and being in this hybrid school. So maybe I'm a little biased with educational funding, but there is educational funding. It's providing $122.7 billion for existing elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds. uh, And that'll remain available through September 30th of 2023. That's really big. Uh, just Just like states and municipalities, are spending money for COVID. So are, so are school districts. It, it's expensive. My wife is a teacher. Uh, it's it's odd, but she spends time cleaning her classroom using supplies that we provide because we don't even go to the school for it. Uh, but there are lots of districts that don't have that, that ability. Not lots of teachers in districts that don't have that ability. Uh, so funding for schools is helpful. Getting kids back in school Starting full-time, I would think next year is a big part of this bill and is huge for our overall economy. Uh, My own town is starting to increase school again. We increased it once already. We're going to increase it again uh, in hopes of getting ready for a full-on launch next year. That's, That's what's been communicated to us. So remember... When it comes to bills like this, there's always going to be a bit of waste. There's always going to be a bit of pork. Everybody, I think, would opt for standalone bills at times. But I urge all of you to go to 
the the government website, read the text of this actual bill. I'm going to link it in the description of this podcast as well. It is dry. I know. I'm also going to link to you a summary of this uh, of the bill. The summary goes through all major points of it. It's provided by the National Conference of State Legislators, which is a phenomenal source uh, for really detailed. Um, information about government bills. You can go back and research the CARES Act as well, as well as the Families First, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which is which is what gave the $600 stimulus payment. Go back and read about them. It provides a ton of information that the media is never going to tell us. And this podcast is designed to teach you the power of money, but more importantly, the power of how you feel about money, right? Your emotions are going to dictate how your plan runs. Uh, and if you let the media really toy with those emotions, even when it comes to something like a government bill that you think isn't really tied to your finances, if you let it play with your emotions, it's going to make you try and zig or zag when you shouldn't. And that's the goal of this podcast is to really help you understand that your emotions are the most powerful part of your money, not necessarily market returns or anything that the media tells you. So check out all of the links in the description below. I hope you enjoy today's podcast and I will talk to you all soon. If building wealth is important to you, then you need a plan. And the first step to any good financial plan is a budget. If you'd like a free copy of the budgeting template that I use personally and have shared with hundreds of clients over the past 15 years, check out the link in the description. This is a comprehensive budgeting template that you can use as much of or as little of as you need and customize it to you. In the meantime, do me a favor and share this podcast with others in whatever way serves you best. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to everyone next episode.